Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. One of the biggest decisions we make in our lives is education. And I'm going to tell you that there's a pattern that's clear around the country, and that's people who enroll in college dropping out in numbers that are much larger than historically true. And later, there's something they've had in Europe for years. It's called the right to be forgotten. We don't have anything like that yet in the United States. I'm talking about on the internet, on social media, all that. But I want to tell you that there are starting to be more and more tools in the marketplace that give you the power over more of your information that's just loose out there than we've had in the past. I want to tell you what you can do. But right now I want to talk about something that is distressing for me. Not that there are people choosing not to go on a path to college. Because today, there are a lot of ways to get a well-paying job that don't involve college. College is, as a credential in a lot of places, is no longer the thing that's required. Used to be like, it was just like, well, you can only apply for this job if you're a college graduate. Now, a lot of employers have moved beyond that to a more scalpel kind of approach, which is, hey, do you have the skill we're looking for, the skills we need for a job that you're interested in applying for? And people may get certifications. And one of the areas that really changed the conversation and thought process is everything with digital employment. Because a lot of jobs involving computing and technology There are specific skill sets that you need that you can get through training programs that do not even involve college. Uh, Google has a thing now where employers can give you access to training courses that normally you'd have to pay for that Google is making free that allow somebody to do this corporate where I love all these corporate buzzwords that someone can upskill with the employer they're in and then it's to the benefit of the employer and to you because you have a new set of skills digital skills that they'll pay you more money for and you fill a need that they have i mean there's a lot of things going on now that don't involve college there are a huge number of jobs that are what are called middle skilled jobs that the workforce is aging out and we don't have people coming in who have been interested in doing that kind of work that pays very well. Think of being a mechanic of different kinds. 
aircraft, automotive, just to name two, uh, being a plumber, electrician. There are any of a number of job categories that you may need technical school, you may need an apprenticeship, whatever, that pay good money and the demand for the workers is huge and there's just not enough people. Even having said those two things, paths that don't involve traditional college, there's still tens of millions of jobs that require what a college education offers. And the worst possible scenario has been going on the last several years. And that is people entering college, maybe even taking out student loans to attend college, and then dropping out because of how strong the job market is right now. A lot of jobs are really right now. You got a pulse? You can breathe? Hey, we want you. And by the way, we've raised pay. People say, why am I bothering this college? I'm going to go do that. But let's talk the long game. College does have real value. And let's say you're in college and you're really wheezing from the cost. The tuition, cost of housing, whatever it is. There's alternatives in more and more states in the country where you can attend local state-supported four-year commuter colleges at extremely low costs. And these schools are set up to get a bachelor's degree and have tuition at a level that if you're working a job, even without student loans, you may well be able to afford the tuition. Somewhere along the lines of $1,200 to $1,500 a semester is what I'm talking about. Now, this is not in every state, but it's in many states. And enrollments have been falling in these four-year commuter colleges that are state-supported around the country. And so they're all years. They're offering any of a number of financial assistance packages to try to get enrollments up. And so it's not like a whole loaf or no loaf. There's other, if you go into a bakery, there's all different kinds of bread, right? But a lot of people think of college as only one kind of bread. You pay a lot for it, and you go away to a sleepaway school, and you spend a fortune for everything involved with it. Housing, food, books, tuition, student activity fees, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking a huge number. And so, oh, I got to drop out. This is too much money. No, no, no. There are all these other alternatives available that will get you the skills, whatever it is that interests you, and get you to that degree. You will not hear me say, The only path to success in life is college. But for a lot of people, college is their best path to financial success and career fulfillment over a working lifetime or a portion of a working lifetime. And the thing of people dropping out with some college is a problem if you don't get skills somewhere else, whatever it is, that give you a leg up in the workforce. Krista? 
All right, we'll go to this question from Mike in Connecticut. I will be receiving approximately $18,000 before tax and earnings beyond my regular pay between June and July. I have a 403B through my employer, and I have a daughter who's going off to college in the fall. My wife and I have a 529 for our daughter, but the account value will fall really short of what's needed over four years. Could you offer some possible options on how to maximize or use this bonus-style income for my scenario? So... With your daughter going off to college this fall, you don't really have an investment window with that money. It's awesome that you're getting this additional money as a bonus or whatever from your employer and whatever you're going to net after tax. Let's just say it's uh, somewhere between 10 and 12.5. Let's just call it that. That's meaningful money that you can put towards your college costs for your daughter. So you could take the money and move it right into the 529. And I don't know if Connecticut has a tax benefit for contributions to 529s, but if they do, then that would be a direct advantage to you to move the money in there. And then I'm hoping that your 529 for your daughter is in the age-based portfolio or the thing where it's based on expected enrollment year, because then the money is held very conservatively with your daughter entering college this fall. And you could have the money sit there and use it as an additional pile of money towards her college. There's no magic, though, where you can have this money and have it suddenly do phenomenal things with growth over the years. Connecticut does have, does have state under certain circumstances, has a state tax benefit. So it would make sense to get that full state tax benefit by making the contribution of the 529. And then it gives you additional money in the war chest towards your child's college education. This is from Eric in Florida. Clark, I need your help to make sure I'm not making a crazy decision. We are considering purchasing our dream house for $750,000 at 28 years old. We could live in this house for the rest of our lives. We will be putting down $300,000, 40%. We will still have six months of savings reserved after this down payment. Our monthly payment will be about $3,029, including insurance and taxes, which is 25.5% of our net take-home pay every month. We make a combined $200,000 total compensation over the year and have no kids yet. My wife has $170,000 of student loans. We have ninety-seven dollars in a Schwab index fund that is earmarked for those loans once interest begins again. Are we out of our minds for considering a house this expensive? I don't want to be house poor, but we're below the patented 28% rule. Please help. Eric, I mean, this is, you're feeling like um, guilty about, your finances being so rock solid at 28. I mean, come on. You're paying 40% of the purchase price down. Then you're going to have a mortgage carry of 450 against a home worth 750. I mean, and you got the income to support it. You're phenomenal savers. And this is your forever home. And remember, don't feel guilty about the 750. Because Florida is now the most expensive state to live in in the United States. Who would have ever imagined that Florida would end up in that position? The one thing I would check on, what's it going to cost you to insure 
that home because the homeowner's insurance market in Florida is badly broken and the cost of insurance is pretty high. You said your payment, including insurance, would be three grand a month. I want you to check on that insurance cost because depending on where you are in Florida, I mean, my goodness, on a house that price, your monthly equivalent of insurance cost could be, wow, it could be 1500 a month or more just for the homeowner's insurance. So really check on that. But otherwise, you're good to go. Eric has gone through the Clark confessional and is absolved <laughs> to buy the there house. There was nothing to confess to. I mean, <laughs> no. what, what you've done and how you've handled your money and your finances up to age 28 is solid. I'm not worried about the student loans because you already have so much money dedicated to paying those more than half off. You're good. $200,000 a year in income. Don't worry. This is Jonathan in Connecticut. We are huge Costco fans, as are you, but are really disappointed with the quality of their Kirkland Signature toilet paper. Definitely not the superior quality of most other Kirkland products. I note that in 2017, you cited a consumer report study that gave them a 37 poor rating. We prefer the Charmin offering, but it's much more expensive. Any advice on more or more recent updates than five years ago? So my wife has banned... Kirkland Signature toilet paper from our house, even though we have a dog named Kirkland Signature, because historically the Kirkland Signature toilet paper has been terrible. Um, Yeah, it does not live up to the KS name. But Costco must have heard a lot of feedback from people and now has what they claim is a new and improved KS toilet paper and so uh, you could consider buying it and in some stores they've been experimenting with two levels of KS toilet paper one is in the blue color on the wrap and the other is more like I'm I'm partially colorblind but it's more purplish Hmm. I'll have to look for it. it and it's like a premium KS toilet paper so if your Costco is stocking the more expensive version, you could give it a try and see if it's okay. So we are members of Sam's Club as well, and I have not followed through on my promise to join BJ's Wholesale. I'll get around to it, sorry. But used to be a member there, but not now. But we use the members' Mark toilet paper from Sam's and have found it to be absolutely great toilet paper. So Costco... I just threw down the challenge. I said that members mark Sam's Club's private label was better than yours in something. I know you don't like that. <laughs> Did I really just <laughs> talk about what toilet paper we use in our household? Okay. We all use it. We do use it. Uh, so I got a question for you. Have you Googled yourself? So there's a lot of stuff that may show up on a Google search that could be upsetting to you or embarrassing. And Google now offers a procedure that it's not that easy, but it's there for you to wipe some of this stuff away from a Google search about you. And all I can say is it's about time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Several states in the United States have been passing laws that kind of mimic the Europe's right to be forgotten, where you can suppress by request information that's sitting out there on the web that you don't want people to see, whether it's accurate or not. State of California passed a law that gave people uh, something that's not quite as comprehensive is the right to be forgotten. And there have been copycat kind of statutes passed. And the digital industry is terrified of this happening state by state around the country as people end up in danger of violence because of what's available in a Google search for them or some other kind of search or embarrassment with compromising photos, things like that. So the tech companies are hoping at a time that their image is very poor in the United States, that they will be able to pass a preemptive statute through Congress that will give you watered down rights to purge information that's out there about you, correct or not, on the internet. Don't know where that's going to go. The whole idea of preemption is to kill off what could be stronger state initiatives. But in addition, the tech companies are starting to offer tools to you that if you choose to use them, can suppress some of the negative stuff out there. So that brings me to Google, which is the most common tool people will use where they'll Google somebody's name. What do you see about yourself if you Google yourself, Krista? Have you ever done that? I haven't done it in a long time, but it's mostly just articles that were about you. (laughs) <laughs> that oh. come up from my job. So nothing about you comes up embarrassing when you search? No, I mean, I'm not a big fan of some of the old photos, but they're not compromising. They're just not great. Okay. With There's Google- also another Krista Dibias who was like a drummer in a band, and she's like a big shot investment advisor, I think. That's not me. That's You're not a drummer in a band, and you're not a big investment no. advisor. That would be cool, though. So my wife's experience is unfortunately not cool. There's a guy, uh, her name's Lane, so that could be a man or a woman's name. There's a guy with her name who is a convict. Oh, boy. And it's come up before when she's been backgrounded. She's an actress, and they'll sometimes background you for a role, and they'll say, uh, you know, we don't think this is you, but it says you're in the penitentiary (laughs) in the state of Florida. Say so, no, no, that's not, I'm not that same person. <laughs> but anyway, you never know what's going to show up 
with a Google search. So Google now has a tool that's not easy to use. I want to lay that out there first. It should be easier to use than it is. But you can use it to suppress things like, let's say at one time you were in a relationship and you and your partner decided it would be cool to take some pictures. And there's the revenge thing where they post the pictures because you broke up and they're mad at you and all that. And that can be, I mean, that's so embarrassing. It can cost you a job, cost you reputational harm, all that. So Google's tool will allow you to suppress that kind of stuff. It'll allow you to suppress personal information about you from search results. Uh, There are different phases to this and Google gives explanations about how to use the tools and what kind of things you may suppress. They also make it clear that it will not deal with that stuff being elsewhere on the internet, on potentially other search engines and the rest. And that's unfortunate, but at least Google dominating search with like, I guess, 80 something percent of market share in search it will eliminate a lot of people who might see things about you that you're not going to like being out there that you want to stop. Now, we have some links at Clark.com that will take you to how you can use the Google tool with also an explanation about how to uh, figure out some of the complications of using the tool. And Google, please simplify this tool. It's too hard to use right now. But if you're motivated, you can work your way through it and suppress some of the information. And yes, we do need a nationwide right to be forgotten law with teeth, not something mamby-pamby that the uh, social media companies and the search engines want it to be, but one with real teeth that you have control over what is said and posted about you as much as possible online, unless you're a public figure because one of the things that Europe did was that if you are a public figure, you have no right to have stuff about you blocked. So someone who does what I do for a living as an example in Europe, whatever people want to say, whatever they want to post, whatever is there can be seen. And that's as it should be. This is from Morgan in California. Not a question, but an FYI regarding a tip on a recent show. I requested an auto, home, and umbrella quote from Amica since you are very complimentary of them and discovered two issues. One, they do not offer the dividend policy in all areas, and mine is one such area. Two, they no longer insure homes in California due to wildfire risk. I would have saved approximately $365 per year, so I'm certainly disappointed. However, you did inspire me to shop for a better cell phone plan, and long story short, I will save $68.49 per month. Thanks for the gentle reminder on the cell phone plans. So go watch the uh, Seinfeld episode, Even Steven. (laughs) That was a perfect (laughs) example, Even Steven. So you're saving... 800 plus dollars a year on your cell phone, but you're not saving 365 on your insurance. The big thing with Amica is not the premiums. It's what happens when something goes wrong. The way Amica takes care of its members when you have a claim is incredibly great. Not always. No insurer is perfect. 
but over the total mass of claims, Amica generally comes up as the best insurer in the country, or at least in the top two or three in survey after survey for auto and homeowners. The California-Florida problem is one that will happen at least in parts of other states as well. You mentioned Amica said, we're done in California. You know, the wildfire issues with the, uh, with the drought are so severe that an insurer can't even calculate the risk. Same problem in Florida with the hurricanes that every insurer has left the state of Florida, even if their brand name is still in Florida, they have cordoned it off as a separate corporate entity and the risk is not shared by policyholders in the other 49 states with Florida. And we're going to see this all along the eastern seaboard and coastal communities. We're going to see it in coastal communities of Texas. We probably will see it in the Houston metro area because of problems of increasing intensity of storms. We're obviously going to see it, or already have, in parts of Louisiana We have a problem with the homeowner's insurance market in the United States, particularly because of rising sea levels and rising storm intensity and activity. And I don't know how it's all going to resolve itself. But Morgan, I'm really sorry. It is so difficult now to find good homeowner's insurance in California and Again, I don't know what the marketplace solution is in a time where the risk for actuaries has become so much harder to predict. This is from Keith in North Carolina. When selling a vehicle, is there any danger in giving the VIN to potential buyers? So I don't know how, as a private seller, giving that VIN would come back to be a problem. And what's been happening in the sales market for uh, traditional sellers of vehicles, you know, dealers, franchise dealers, and independent dealers, is con artists have been copying the listings, taking all the pictures and all that, and conning buyers. For you as a private seller, Keith, selling your vehicle, a buyer should be requesting the VIN from you so they can run a Carfax or Carfax equivalent report on the vehicle. So they know whether it's been in a major accident. You're not going to know every time a vehicle's been in a major accident. It's a pretty good indicator from the Carfax or some other of those databases. And so as a car buyer, I absolutely want to know that VIN to run the report. And it's for you as an individual, if there is a marketplace risk to you from some kind of con or anything like that, I'm not aware of that yet. This is from Beth in Ohio. Last year, we went on a post-COVID vacation, and we think our Amazon Prime Visa card, which we use for most of our transactions, was skimmed. The month after we returned home, a thief began shopping on Amazon with our card number. They shopped only on Amazon and bought two to three items per month for $50 or less. Because we were frequent Amazon shoppers ourselves, we didn't catch on until months later when the thief bought many items in a month and we bought none. The backtrack through tons of transactions, stuff we ordered, videos and subscriptions, even pay with Amazon usage to determine which charges were and were not legit. 
Initially, the bank refunded all the money. Then this month, they took it all back. Why? Because of our extensive relationship with Amazon. We called Amazon, who said our card had been attached to multiple digital wallets, but policy prevents them from confirming this in writing to Chase. Chase is reviewing again, but we are not hopeful. This scam is carefully tailored to loyal, frequent Amazon shoppers, and we got burned. All right. So, Beth, I am really, really sorry about this. Under federal law, Chase will, uh, even when they reconsider, they will be in a position to only give you back credit for the last two months, only the last 60 days for when you notice the activity. Uh, In this case, I'm going to name Chase because they're the issuer of this card. Everybody knows that it has an Amazon card. So Chase is saying, oh, well, well, you know, you you do all this Amazon thing. We think it was you, whatever. We're not going to do anything. And Amazon said it was legit as far as they knew. So this is not how this is supposed to work. What you do, you redisputed it. Also file a complaint against Chase with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at consumerfinance.gov. And once you've done that, that will force Chase to answer to the feds what their version of the events are. And they may decide, well, as a courtesy, we're going to give you back the last 60 days. No, that's what they're supposed to do. You bring up something very important, though, and that is a lot of financial crimes now, criminals are becoming more sophisticated about staying below certain thresholds. I've talked before how with Zelle, criminals are staying below 3500 bucks. And how much they steal on Zelle. And with the Amazon, if somebody was buying a lot of very expensive items, you would have been more likely to notice. And Chase may have sent you an alert that it was outside your normal spending pattern. But by keeping the volume of transactions low and the amounts low, it went on for, I guess, a whole year. So this is a lot of money out of your pocket. We're talking over $1,000 to $2,000, somewhere in that range, that criminals have stolen, most of which, even if you win, a partial chargeback is going to cost you. And you and your household, you buy so many items for, from Amazon that the Amazon driver has a reserved parking space in front of your home. What do you and your husband do to make sure that the charges that appear are legit or are, is this making you worried? It's making me worried, but I don't have the Amazon credit card, which we probably should. We've talked about that. Um, 5% off. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't go through it. I mean, I'm just starting to, I mean, I'm really trying to be better about going through our charges and, and, um, checking them all. But now I'll have to, I, I thank Beth for making me think I need to do more of this. And sure. I hope you hear Beth on this because one thing you can do is it's hard on a credit card statement to figure out what things were. But if you sign into your Amazon account, or let's say it's Walmart Plus or whatever, you can see your purchases lined up very simply, very easily to follow. And you'd say, I didn't buy that. I didn't buy that. I didn't buy that. That's actually with Amazon and with Walmart Plus, more important if you're a regular with both of those or either of those, to look at your purchase history at the time you're paying your bill to make sure they really are your charges. And so, Beth, thank you for that warning for others. 
I hope that you're able to get some assistance through the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, again, at consumerfinance.gov. And this podcast is really all about this. We help each other. We all become a member of Team Clark to alert others of ways to protect yourself, scams to look out for, and ways to fatten your wallet day by day.